Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Mo H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 20th, 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, page 40, second paragraph. Let him tell you about it through three paragraphs ending uh, with mental and physical suffering. And the comments will be on all three paragraphs. Uh, Let me see. Today's readers are Liz T. on the 12 Steps, Marilyn T. on the 12 Traditions, and our readers will be Sherry K.B., Elaine T., and John K. The share ID for Monday, March 19th, the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 11,183, that is 11183, and for today, Tuesday, March 20th, uh, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 11,187, again 11187, and our newcomer greeter will be Melanie C. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message, uh, and to carry the message, oh, I lost my place, one moment. Our primary purpose is to abstain and carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Liz T. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Sorry it took me a minute there. This is Liz T. This is Liz T., Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Minnesota, 12 Steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Stopped through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Pass. Thank you, Liz. And I will now ask Marilyn T. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you. This is Marilyn T., a recovering compulsive overeater in California. The 12 traditions of OA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement of OA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Four, eating, sorry. 
Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups, OA or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry the message to the overeater who is still suffering. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. With that, I pass. Thank you, Marilyn T. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 40, starting with the second paragraph. Let him tell you about it. And we're going to be reading through three paragraphs, ending in mental and physical suffering. And the comments will be on all three. And I will now ask Sherry KB to start reading. Good morning, Mo. Good morning, everybody. Sherry KB in Northern California. Very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Let him tell you about it. I was much impressed with what you fellows said about alcoholism, and I frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. I rather appreciated your idea, ideas about the subtle insanity which precedes the first drink, but I was con- confident that it, it could not happen to me after what I had learned. I reasoned I was not so far advanced as most of you fellows, that I had been usually successful in licking my other personal problems, sorry, the lights here, and that I would therefore be successful where you failed, where you men failed. I felt I had every right to be self-confident, that it would only be a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. In this frame of mind, I went about my business, and for a time, all was well. I had no trouble refusing drinks, and I began to wonder if I had been making too hard of a simple matter. One day I went to Washington and to present some accounting evidence to a governmental bureau. I had been out of town before during this particular dry spell, so there was nothing new about that physically. I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. My business came off well. I was pleased, and I went. I knew my partners would be too. It was the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. I went to my hotel room and leisurely dressed for dinner. As I crossed the threshold of the dining room, the thought came to mind that it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. That was all. Nothing more. I ordered a cocktail and my meal. Then I ordered another cocktail. After dinner, I decided to take a walk. When I returned to the hotel, it struck me. A highball would be fine before going to bed, so I stepped into the bar and had one. I remember having several more that night and plenty the next morning. I have a shadowy recollection recollection of being in an airplane bound for New York 
and of finding a friendly taxicab driver at the landing field instead of my wife. The driver escorted me about for several days. I know little of where I went or what I said and did. Then came the hospital with the unbearable mental and physical suffering. <clears throat> okay, so, wow. Um, you know, all of these, the, all these paragraphs are about the mental twist, um, the distorted thinking, all the, the eyes in the statements, all the eyes in these paragraphs. Um, there's 11 eyes in the second paragraph. There's eight um, eyes in the third paragraph, and there's 11 eyes in the first paragraph on <clears throat> 41. And this shows all about the eyes. And when I think about the eyes, that to me is my distorted thinking, my mental twist, my mental blank spot telling, jumping together and ganging up on the intellect, <clears throat> excuse me, and telling um, the intellect it will be different this time that I've got this. And it gives me the shivers when it says, all I had to do exercise my willpower and keep on guard. Um, you know, that's, that's that self-will for me. That would be the self-will run riot. <clears throat> that's my distorted thinking. In this frame of mind, I'm already in the mental twist, the mental blank spot. Um, I've got this. That's something I would have said. Uh, dry spell, particular dry spell, that to me is white-knuckle abstinence without a higher power, without the steps. Um, the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. Um, you know, it's saying that, you know, um, it doesn't have to be bad for me to get back down in the food. Um, all of this is um, doing this without the steps, doing it without a power greater than myself. And this whole last paragraph is is a description of, of uh, the mental blank spot and the mental twist. Yeah, and this whole chapter is about distorted thinking and thinking that I can do this by myself and telling myself, you know, and here's another way, you know, this bad thing happened, you know, I, I need to eat, I should eat because, you know, I'll feel better that way. That's all that distorted thinking. And, you know, without working the steps, without living in these steps, without being connected with a power greater than myself, I, I would be just like Fred. Um, and thank God I'm not there anymore and you don't have to be there anymore either. Um, I just, I'm just so grateful that, you know, the food is down, that I'm recovered um, and, um, you know, happily and contently neutral around the food. And you can have this too. Um, this is what happens uh, when I'm running the show, when I'm running the Sherry show, when I'm in my willpower and in my self-will. And, it, you know, it talks about when we're working the steps. And one of my favorite things in this book is on page 85 where it says that, you know, we have to work this program every day and um, and we have to help others and carrying this message and we have to constantly, uh, we must go, our thoughts must constantly go and exercise our willpower. All we want as long as our will is lined up with the power of greater than ourselves. And this is the opposite. Um, this is self-will run riot. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. I forgot to time you, and thank you for timing yourself. <laughs> I will now open the lines up for those who would like to share on this reading. Lucy in Oregon. Lucy. John K. John K. Chris Say that again. Chris B. Christy. Chris B. Chris. Okay, got you, Chris. Donna W. Donna W. Miranda S. Say that again. Miranda S. Liz T. Liz T. One more. Jordan L. Jordan L. Yeah. Okay. And we'll stop there. I have Lucy. I didn't get the first initial of your last name. You can give that to me. John K. Chris B. Donna W. Miranda S. Liz T. And Jordan L. Lucy? your turn, followed by John K. Hi, this is Lucy R. Uh, thank you for your service. I love this part of the big book because this was me. Um, I was complacent. I was cocky. I minimized the problem. I can't tell you how many times I lost weight and then gained it all back because I had something to celebrate. I had these feelings of entitlement, like, whoa, you know, I suffered a long time to lose this weight. I am going to eat now. 
And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I did not accept back then that this is a disease. It's a permanent deal. I mean, I, I was spiritually sick. Um, I did not recognize back then when I was like Fred, um, when I was busy minimizing the problem and pretending that this wasn't something that, that it's an, you know, a permanent condition that I have. I have a spiritual malady. Um, and so the 12 steps in the big book give me a spiritual solution. Uh, it's something that I need every day. Uh, I don't graduate from this program. Um, this is something that I have to apply to every single choice that I make all throughout my day um, because I can never allow myself to go back to being the way I was when I was Fred, uh, minimizing, uh, thinking that I was entitled to some good times, that I had something to celebrate. You know, this is faulty reasoning. It is that trick. It's the mental twist of my disease, and now I recognize you know, the tricks <laughs> of my disease. I recognize that uh, voice and how it tries to get me to say, hey, you know, you, you, you've done long, long and hard enough. You know, why not uh, just go on and, and have a nice couple of this and that? Well, um, I can't be fooled anymore. I um, And I'm grateful for that, for knowing that I do have a spiritual malady. I need the tools. This is my new way of living. And uh, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Liz R. And John K., followed by Chris B. Did Did you say John K.? I did. Oh, I love that long you are. Now unmuted. You can't hear. Uh, this is John <laughs> Kiernan, recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles. Um I love that concept of dry spell versus sobriety. Because, you know, when I was in my relapse cycle, I would say, oh, I had three weeks of abstinence before I blew it. No, I had a three-week dry spell. I, I wasn't abstinent during for a long, long time, even though I wasn't compulsively eating for some of that. You know, I was like Fred. I thought I understood. I, I, you know, after a certain time, I'm a compulsive eater. I need to stay on a food plan. So... I started letting my meetings slip because, you know, after all, I'm a busy guy here, you know, and I knew, and I knew I'm a compulsive eater. Now I know what I have to do. I have my food plan. Well, you know, just like Bill, I ended up finding myself pounding on the bar saying, how did it happen again? But that's how addiction works. There's no building up antibodies to battle it, you know. Why? Because I think for all intents and purposes, in a lot of ways, the disease is me. Now, it really isn't me. It, you know, it isn't us. When I was in my relapse cycle, I didn't want to be compulsively eating. You know, I was going to meetings. I had a sponsor who was doing writing, was even an intergroup rep, you know. But when that disease called, it twisted my thinking and all that resolve and all that knowledge of the disease went out the window. You know, all my intelligence went out the window. You know, everything I knew about addiction went out the window. Everything I've been told by sponsors about what I should do if the urge hit went out the window. And, and you know, that was my disease, heaving those uh, you know, and in an instant, it hijacked my brain and my life. Why? Because it existed in my brain. And, and to use one of my favorite lines uh, from the big book, we read it a couple pages back, it exists in my brain parallel to my sound reasoning. You know, you know, I'm, I'm a sane person. You know, my disease, however, is an insane component that lies resident in my brain that can hijack it at a moment's notice, you know. And <clears throat> the reason it can is I can't always realize what what part is me and what part is the disease, you know? I always say if it had a different voice, if it sounded like Darth Vader and it said, John, go eat, then I could easily recognize, you know, oh, wait a minute, that's my disease. I got to be careful. But because it sounds like almost every other sane thought in my head, I need to listen for what it's saying, not how it's saying it or how it sounds. And when it comes to compulsive eating, there's going to be all these perfectly logical reasons why I should go binge. And that's why at the end of the day, I need help. I need help from the program. I need help from my sponsors, from my fellow compulsive eaters. And of course, the most important thing is I need power from, you know, a power that greater than myself that can help me with my problem, which I call God today. But I simply can't pray to God and hope the magic abstinence dust will flutter down from the heavens. I need to do as many of the things I can to meet my higher power halfway, and that involves doing all of this work they tell me about doing in the program. 
You know, as it says in the 10 step prom, pro, uh, promises, you know, the, the food will stay in order as long as I stay in fit spiritual condition. And, and, you know, how to do it? Well, I'm doing it right now. I'm on a meeting. I do service. I do all those things. I talk to my sponsor every day. And, and I pray and meditate. And that's what it's all about. And with that, I will pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, John K. Chris B., followed by Donna W. Hi, guys. Can I be heard? Yes. Excellent. Uh, good morning, all. This is Chris B. I'm a compulsive reader here in St. Louis, Missouri. Loving life today. I'm loving to be in connection with you all. <clears throat> I love that uh, this part of the big book has some squiggly lines, my favorite thing. Uh, these important words that Fred walks through. When he crossed the threshold of the dining room, this thought came in mind, this unwanted thought that may have seemed welcome, like any other thought. Uh, what he's talking about is his obsession. I have the obsession in the mind when it comes to food recognizing it, being aware of it, it's something I accept today. It's okay. It's not a matter of if. It's it's really just a matter of when, and that's, that's all right. It's, um, my obsession will tell me that um, maybe I need to be ashamed that I have the obsession or I'm not recovering right if it comes about. And that's not the truth. I, I do this humble activity with my sponsor and guys I work with. I have a dictionary right on the phone, and I look it up, like words like obsession. I said it's persistent thought that's just unstoppable that um that's unwanted that's something that uh, my willpower has nothing no tool against really my willpower is against my obsession when i'm in it it's like uh, throwing a paper airplane into a tornado or a hurricane and i definitely need help to get out of it uh, this didn't happen overnight but the last shoot Three years I've lived obsession-free when it comes to food. I have 90, 95%. That's not me by myself doing that. That's our program, the 12 steps, the um, making the call. Like as soon as I'm in the obsession, uh, one of my friends in program actually came up with this formula. Like I have 60 seconds, maybe even 30 seconds before I need to get on the phone and say, hey, I'm in obsession. <laughs> my obsession will get on the phone and beat around the bush, talk about you know everything other than being an obsession. For an hour. Oh, I made my call. Cool. Well, are you an obsession? Yeah, actually, I want to eat off my plan. And that's something I do today. I actually have a, a food plan that I surrender to. Uh, I don't make unnecessary changes around it. That, for me, that was something that my obsession just fed on. Like, I need to change the food from one healthy food to another last minute. And if I don't, well, shit, I, I just need to change the food. I always needed that on the back burner. And I didn't realize that for a long time that that was actually keeping my obsession alive because I'm powerless over choice. I'm powerless over all food. I, um, I can't make these choices with sane, rational and, and any kind of reasoning. And I'm grateful to share that with you all today because <laughs> I still need, will be, to, uh, need to be on the phone. I actually had a dream, um, last week about food my subconscious and um the next day i'm like dang it but i'm on the phone sharing about it talking about it my obsession will live in my dreams and that's okay i'm um just grateful to be humble reminder and uh love you guys thank you so much have a great day thank you chris b donna w followed by miranda s good morning donna w from palo alto california so grateful to be abstinent and recovered for today and so wonderful to learn from everyone on the line about, you know, so I can identify in and learn what works for you. And um, yes, yeah, so I'm really grateful to be here today. And for me, I have this thing where I think I'm normal. So if I was Fred, it's like, shit, I had a great day. Okay. Like that, you know, I'm normal. And um, then I think I can handle it. And then I go, okay, I got it from here. And uh, a friend of mine in program calls that going agnostic, like, okay, I got it from here. And, um, and I can feel like I'm normal, like, oh, I hit, you know, I'm in a healthy body weight. I'm, I'm quote normal now. Or, oh, I can make this abstinent food into something that looks like things I don't usually eat. So now I, I'm eating something that looks kind of like that, so I'm normal now. And that for me is a big trigger because um, – in my mind, in my delusional thinking, normal means I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want, as much as I want without consequence. 
and that is not normal. So that, um, and then when, and when I'm normal, then I take control back when I feel normal. So that's, you know, it's important for me to stay in program, to identify in, to have that humility that others are sharing about to remember like, oh, you know, I'm one of many, I have a disease and I need my higher power. Whether I'm having a great day or a shitty day, I need my higher power. Whether I'm, you know, morbidly obese or at a healthy weight, I need my higher power, you know, and and I've been in a healthy body weight for a while now. And for a while there, I thought, oh, you know, then um, then I'm good. But I'm realizing now, okay, now I have all this extra energy where I don't have to focus on my weight. I, that's the energy I need to be focusing on. My higher power, being of service to others, being in a spiritual solution. That this really is a spiritual program. So um just want to turn all that over. And I also want to turn over, I've been sick for several weeks, and I'm finally going to get some outside help. I'm going to see my doctor today. And um, I don't need to be in self-pity because I'm sick. I just need to do the next right thing. Thanks for everyone on the line. Bye. Thank I you, pass. Donna W. Uh, Miranda S. followed by Liz T. Thank you. Good morning. Can you hear me all right? Yes, I can. Great. Thank you so much. My name is Miranda S. and I am a compulsive overreader in Minnesota. Um, Fred's story really spoke to me this morning, and it, it seems. Um, it seems illustrative to me of step one. You know, when I hear him saying in that frame of mind, he kind of embarks on his this business trip. Um, I'm reminded of the language of step one. You know, we admitted we're powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. And everything that I heard um, being read about Fred, because I was listening while I was driving, so everything I heard being read this morning made me think of the power that Fred was still exerting over um, well, alcohol for him uh, and over his disease. And it also made me think the second part of step two, um, lives being unmanageable, that there, there, was, there wasn't a surrender to the idea that his life was unmanageable or there wasn't an acknowledgement of that possibility yet. And so he was still trying to exert his power and to manage, manage his life. And um, related to, you know, food for, for me, I'm thinking of every attempt at weight loss, and it was always weight loss. Every attempt at weight loss was me trying to exert some power um, and with the idea that I could still manage my life. Um, and, and, you know, the focus was just entirely, entirely wrong because it was void of any type of uh, spiritual realm and spiritual connection and domain. So um, th that's what I really wanted to share was the Fred story just makes me think of step one. Um, thank you so much for allowing me to share. Um, I pass. Thank you, Miranda. Liz T. followed by Jordan L. Good morning. My name is Liz T. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater in Minnesota. And I love Fred. I have a crush on this guy. He tells my story. Um, I just want to hug and kiss him. I just love him. Um, he's this high-bottom guy. He hasn't lost everything. You know, when I came into program, you would have looked at me and said, yeah, she looks overweight, you know. She looks stressed out, but she's got her shit together. She's got a business. She's got a nice family. She's still married. Um, she has a decent house. She drives a car, you know, not not in the gutter yet, but you know what? I was dying inside. I was a shell of a person. I was a walking dead. I um, basically existed to get others' approval, to get the, the applause, um, you know, like in Bill's story. I had arrived, you know, that whole thing. That was my existence. Um I also love Fred because, um, you know, he wouldn't believe himself an alcoholic. He wouldn't concede to his innermost self. He wouldn't take a solid step one. And I have struggled with that in this program. Um, I've had to fall on my face during my step work. Uh, I've relapsed in step nine a couple of times. I've been too proud and too, uh, I don't know, egotistical to make those 10-step calls. I've been too busy to do my step 11. I've been too stressed out to do step 12. I mean, any excuse, loophole uh, you can think of, I have found it and tried it, and it has not worked. I have um, run out of self-will. Um, I am at step three every single day. I, I need God in every aspect of my life. 
my workplace, my family, my marriage. Um, it's like I'm getting to the point in, where it's like, God, what do you want me to do next? Do the dishes, sort through the kids' clothes, make a phone call. I mean, it's getting to that point where I rely on God so heavily because by my own willpower, I'm just a mess. But on all outside appearances, um, like I think it was in Jim's story that we just finished, um, you know, it looked like I had my stuff together. Um, and so it just feels so good to come on this line and admit that, that, that internally with all of these 12 steps, I am a tornado that roars through the lives of the people I love the most and I hurt the people I love the most. And without these 12 steps, I would still be a shell of a person. And today, you know, I have somewhat of a story to tell. I can tell people that these 12 steps work, you know, put the food down, grab a hold of a sponsor, make your red light list, whatever you got to do, keep it down long enough to start these steps. Um, It's possible for any of us, no matter how good our life is or how bad. I love on the top of 41 where he says, physically, I felt fine, neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. My business came off well. I was pleased and knew my partners would be too. You know, approval. He was seeking approval. He wanted this deal to go well. You know what? That's a point that I probably need to do a 10 step. Whether it's good feelings or bad, nerves, fear, wanting to control outcomes, waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, I'm an, I can tend to be a negative thinker. Cup half full versus or half empty versus half full. Fine. I need I need you guys um, to help keep me grounded. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Liz T. And we'll next have Jordan L. Uh, my name is Jordan L., uh, a compulsive overeater from Colorado. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Cool. So um, I like Fred a lot, too. Um, I'm a, a, a high-bottom eater of sorts, I suppose you could say. Um, especially this time around. Like, I've come to program a couple of times now, and um, this past time, I would say uh, the outside, from the outside looking in, was probably probably looked better than ever, you know? Like, I, I've, I've, uh, I've been dating this guy for a couple of years now, and he's a pretty good guy and my parents love him and I just bought my, my first condo and, um, and it, it's a nice home and it, and it looks nice. And, um, I got a de- a pretty decent job and I would say that my coworkers probably have good things to say about me for the most part and so on and so forth. Um, <clears throat> And it's it's funny, I was listening yesterday and someone was talking about, like, why would you bother to stop eating then <laughs> um, if this is what your life looks like, right? Um, so so I, I had this. I was much impressed with what you fellows said about alcoholism, and I frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. Um, I, I truly believed that it would not be possible for me to eat sugar again. Like I, I, I knew with every single fiber of my being deep down in my soul that like sugar was a problem and I was not going to eat it again. I was ready to commence the rest of my life and not eat it. Um, and we get a little bit farther down the page and, and, and it says, I felt I had every right to be self-confident that it would only be a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. And, and that's what I was going to do. I was just going to walk through life, not eating sugar and keeping on guard. Um, <clears throat> in this frame of mind, I went about my business and for a time all was well. Um, there was like a good year there where <laughs> I was good, man. I, like I had it set. I had it figured out. Like I, I would think, to myself like oh I feel so wonderful now my body feels so good without the sugar like and I feel so good losing weight and why why would I have ever uh, ever lived the way that I was living before this why would I have ever done that I'm never going back um, <clears throat> and then uh, I went to Washington I didn't really go to Washington um, 
I moved to Breckenridge, but um, <clears throat> I crossed the threshold of the dining room and the thought came to mind that it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. Uh, that was all, nothing more. Um, Time. I thought I thought half a half a chocolate bar would be okay, um, and and it wasn't. The unbearable mental and physical suffering eventually came. So, um, anyway, I'm excited to finish this story tomorrow. That's all I got. Thank you, Jordan L. And I'll now open the lines up for more shares. Jackie Arlene H. Reggie Arlene H. Wait, wait, wait. Arlene H. There was someone before you, Darlene. Who was that? Jackie H. Reggie O. I heard Jackie O. Marilyn H. Allison C. Marilyn. uh, What was your last initial, Marilyn? Marilyn T. T. And who was after Marilyn? Allison C. Say that again. Allison C. Allison. Sorry, Allison. No worries. All right. That might take us to where we need to go. Um, So let's hold with those. I have Darlene H., Reggio, Jackie C., Marilyn T., and Allison C. Darlene H., followed by Reggio. Thank you. My name is Arlene H. Sorry. <laughs> it's quite all right. I'm a compulsive overeater in recovery, and I see something here in these paragraphs um, that is totally me. It says, but I was confident it could not happen to me after what I had learned. And then further down, my willpower and keeping on guard. Um, first of all, I was confident it couldn't happen to me after what I had learned. I appreciate your ideas. Here is the thought for myself that I think I'm different, different than everybody who allowed me to depend on God, to um, discover things about myself which were buried deep down and I had never known before, And now I know them, and instead of heeding everything that I learned and belonging to this group of wonderful, wonderful people who have found a spiritual solution to their problem, instead of belonging, which is something that in human nature I swear I had always wanted to do, I always wanted to belong, now I belong, and here I am, Conscious separation. I am separating myself from you where I'm confident it couldn't happen to me. But that's delusional thinking. I'm dropping back into self-confidence instead of God-confidence, instead of um, leaning on the tools of the program and being a part of, and I am consciously separating myself from you. When I do that, I'm away from my herd, and I will be poked off by the quickest lion or or whatever that's going to come and eat me, and that's my disease. If I'm away from the herd and not in the center of of where I belong, then anything, my obsession um, and my compulsion will come and get me. Here I must stay with all of you. I know I belong. Those are the things that allowed me to maintain, to obtain and maintain my abstinence. If I think anything different, I, I have to think of them as, you know, sick thoughts going back to myself. It's a selfish, self-centered type disease that I have. And I have to get out of self. I have to make my phone calls. I have to be at meeting. I, I, I know me, and if I know anything about me, I have to be part of the herd, right smack in the middle, doing service, doing what I know works, works for others, 
and it works for me. Thank you. Thank you, Arlene H. Reggio, followed by Jackie C. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for your service. This is Reggio in the Los Angeles area. Very gratefully recovered. <clears throat> and, you know, I love this uh, Jim story right on the back of uh, Fred's story, you know, because uh, they it, it's both talking about that strange mental blank spot, that subtle insanity, you know, that we know and here is the mental obsession and that is the true nature of the disease even though there's you know even though there is the allergy but um you know for fred you know it said he uh not said uh, jim you know he said you know he just had this idea all of a sudden it seeming seemingly you know he had this idea to put whiskey in his milk it couldn't hurt him and uh, and here we are with fred uh it just simply crossed my mind it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner and Fred was quite self-confident. He had been hospitalized once before, very, was very humiliated, you know, and he thought he learned a lot about himself. Um, he was positive that he could make a decision. He was very successful. And uh, so he just decided to quit drinking altogether, that that would handle it uh, fine. You know, that handles the allergy, but he had that mental blank spot, you know, that that subtle insanity that it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner, nothing all. Uh, Jim actually had this, just a subtle thought that it might not be such a good idea, but it didn't win out. And Fred had no thought. It was just, I'm going to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. That was all. Then I'll have a highball. That was all. And then, you know, the rest is to be discovered. It's really amazing to me sometimes to look at this, how the, you know, how, strange that insanity is I was thinking of myself going to pick up a red box movie and just having this subtle idea oh I could have a bag of popcorn with my you know to watch the red box movie with and it's fine because it's organic right? it doesn't have any of all that crap in it so I can do it and and that's the idea and sometimes you know sometimes it's like well this doesn't seem such a like such a great idea and other times there's no thought at all you know that that mental strange blank spot can be very different but the thing of it is is that there's nothing else that really over supersedes it except for you know except for god for higher power i was thinking about it kind of like channels you know you can have a clear channel on a radio and there you know there's one channel next to the other one but if i'm somewhere in between those two channels you know never know which direction I'm going. And I was thinking, you know, so the, the channel I like to be plugged into and, you know, that I am here in this program is the God channel and the 12-step channel, et cetera. Uh, and I just need to make sure that I stay on, you know, I need to stay on that channel, you know, and it takes a bit of attention. It's a way of life, uh, but it's, a, it's an amazing way of life. And I, you know, sometimes it's tempting to go off channel and do other things, but it's, you know, but never for long at all because the life that, you know, having a clear channel, being in a clear channel and being fully present, I guess, is a, is an amazing, you know, is an amazing gift. And I, as I look at both of the, these, you know, um, I'll just stop with that. Um, get back on channel here. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Reggio. Jackie C., followed by Marilyn T. Jackie C., press star one to unmute. This is Jackie H. H. Oh, sorry, Jackie. Jackie. That's okay. Um, I'm from Indiana, and I'm grateful to be on this call today. I have seen in my recovery that it is the mental that I think I can just have one. And every time in my head that I say I can just have one, it leads to two, three, four, and five. And so it's just really good to hear how it is the mental that starts in this disease. I have to remember I have a disease that kills me, and it starts in the head. And with that, I pass. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Jackie. H, uh, Marilyn T, followed by Allison C. Marilyn T, press star one to unmute. Mo, I'm sorry. I was having a great talk with myself again. 
this is Marilyn T., grateful, recovering, compulsive uh-huh. overeater in California. Hi, um, Marilyn. Okay. This is the problem, <laughs> is thinking I got it all. <laughs> what a path right down into the gutter that one takes me every single time. I have got to remember that mental twist. The, the mental twist starts so much before the first bite. Um, I'm thinking I've got it. I don't need to do program. I don't need to do the steps. I don't need to call my sponsor. I don't have to eat on my food plan. I, 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 Right down there. And um, just so many times, willpower has got me into such a situation where um, I could follow this program and be in the light and lose 160 pounds and then again, that mental twist comes right in. I think I've got it. Starts with a thought, ends with a bite, ends with face down into it, suffering. Um, I can never, ever, ever trust the thinking in my brain. I cannot go there unescorted. It is not a safe place. It will lead me to wreck and ruin, and it will kill me. And I have constantly got to be on my guard because, as everyone has said, it's got the same voice. My disease has the same voice. It will trick me. It will fool me. It will It will kill me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Marilyn T. Allison C. Hi, this is Allison C. in New Jersey. Can I be heard? Yes. Hi. Um, I'm so grateful for this meeting and um, so grateful that we're in the story of Fred. Um, so I... You know, this is bringing up so much stuff for me, um, and I've read this story so many times, but um, I keep asking myself, how do I keep, you know, how before recovery, how did I keep finding myself in that place? Just reflecting back on, you know, when I was trying to do it with my will um, and without program, how did I keep going back to the bar, you know? Um, And so, obviously, it's self-will and it's obviously that I'm not working program um but for me um and I even had this moment even being recovered last week I found out that I got this you know little side job that I had been wanting it was like exactly what I wanted and I had this like moment of excitement and I knew that after I had found that out I was going to be going out to lunch with my friend to a place that I know has sugar food um, and normally they don't call to me or anything, but I, I was in the car and I was so excited and I thought to myself, you know what, just this once I could totally have this or that. Um, and so I, I had this moment where I was like, oh, wow, that's, I haven't had that thought. And it was like that moment of excitement where I just was like, I wasn't depressed about anything. I wasn't stressed. You know, it was like everything was perfect in my life. And then I had started to realize, um, you know, being recovered, why am I having that thought? Um, And so, you know, I had to look at what my program was like. Am I really living in 10, 11, and 12? And the things I picked out from, you know, reflecting on this was that, you know, I had a sponsee that relapsed, and I didn't take on a new sponsee. You know what? I wasn't doing my step 11 every day. I was doing them here or there and you know I had kind of taken a step back from doing like 10 steps and I was like whoa you know and this disease will find a way sneak its way back in any possible way because when I think that I got everything on under control you know like life is good got this new job you know got a nice apartment you know got a new car everything's great the food's not going to call to me so I don't need to do this I am so wrong when I start thinking that and I have to go back to getting clean with God getting spiritually fit with God and going back to his will because my brain is going to tell me all sorts of crazy crap and telling me that I can go eat or telling me that everything in my life is fine and you know what I don't know right from wrong I don't know you know um, the true from the false as they they use that in in I love that in the beginning of, I think it's in Bill's story or doctor's opinion, I cannot differentiate the true from the false. 
I could be thinking that I'm having the greatest day ever, but what's under that is like this something little craziness under 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 this like little layer, and something's gonna trigger me, and then it's like, boom! Oh my God, I wasn't doing ten steps, and I wasn't you know doing living in ten, eleven, and twelve, and all of a sudden I'm face first in food again. So you know, just like one more thing Bye. that I want to say um, is just for the newcomers real quick is that um, if you're new and this is making sense or maybe this isn't making sense to you, um, you know, our program is about releasing self-will um, and turning to God's will and surrendering and taking steps one, two, and three every day and living in 10, 11, and 12 once we get recovered every single day and doing them like our hair is on fire. Thanks for letting me share. Everyone have a great day. Thank you, Allison C. We will now close uh, with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Elaine T., please read a vision for you. Hi, thank you. This is Elaine T., a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.